Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Pick a Flick, which is hosted by me, Tony Black, or should I say Agent Black, Tony Black. For today, we are doing a uh, 007 special, because Spectre's out, it's James Bond fever everywhere right now, quite rightly, because nobody does it better. And but I'm, ch- but I'm, ch- I'm getting all the James puns Bond in. fever's actually just syphilis. Was <laughs> <laughs> that 30 seconds before we get some smut from Dave? That's, that's, that's got to be a record. That's a new record. Joining me tonight are three Bond aficionados from a wonderful new podcast out there called Do You Expect Us to Talk? Which is a brilliant new podcast where my guests, who are Chris Byrne. Hello. Becca Andrews. Hi. And Bond, Dave Bond. Good evening. Are going through all the James Bond films from Doctor No vocal cords up until the most recent Spectre, which you guys have just recorded a brand new podcast on, haven't you? Like two hour epic. Oh my god! (laughs) Actually, we just thought we'll just do a quick interim report. So this is just this is just an hors d'oeuvre before the main. It's just the horse duvet. (laughs) (laughs) In all honesty, I mean, you've seen the you've listened to us the average length of our podcast, but. We thought Spectre would probably be about half of that, and it, it's not. And that's, not it. that's not even the full review. We'll be, re- we'll be oh, reviewing God. it again in about May. It will be awesome listening, though, because you guys are unpicking so many interesting things about Bond. While also, I think, one of the reasons I like this podcast so much is because it's very... It's you guys. You know, Your personalities come through a lot, and it's nice. It's not just stats and facts. It's... It's you as a team, which is lovely. Can I ask? Can I ask? And this is something you may have covered on, on your podcast, but I don't remember it. How did you guys find each other? How did you come together as, as this Bond team? Match.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I suppose I better answer this. It's ba- it was basically Twitter, really, because I was going to want to do a... Uh, I was basically looking to do my, uh, like a podcast or at least a section on my uh, regular podcast, the Cinema Drugs one, about I want to cover all the Bond films and lead up to Spectre. Okay. And as time ticked on obviously that didn't catch up but I, I initially went asked Becca because I knew like oh well you're really big into Bond yay uh, she's like the one person who I knew instinctively was on it and so we had, we had a chat we sort of tried to organise 
something, and then we did an initial podcast with Dave on, uh, and it was just awful. The episode was uh, just. Dave's not that bad. <laughs> it, no, no, no. <laughs> but it was, a terrib- it was a terrible Skype connection. And everything kept cutting off. It would just would have, been, it would have been a mess. So we drew a line under it, and we thought, right, well, Dave is pretty good. Should we just have him on it anyway? So, so <laughs> we, we kept Dave on, and then we, yeah, there we are. And the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you guys know each other? Did you and Becca know each other from? Like Bond forums or anything like that, like CommanderBond.net no. or anything. No, like, we follow each other on Twitter. I followed you because you did the Cinematronics podcast, and that's kind of how I know about you. But other than that, okay, no, as far as I know, no. Yeah. Oh, cool. And Dave's okay. got a cool name, so. Yeah, he does. He, no, get, he, he gets in Boy's name alone. Yeah. <laughs> she she was willing to willing to deal with like you know train spotting stats and everything. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no. no, 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 not really. But, I mean, we, yeah, we just, we're all on there talking about, like, film all the time. We've got a lot of mutual sort of people we follow. And Chris started talking about doing a Bond podcast. He did, I think he did a pilot with just sort of him and Becca. And then we did the aforementioned episode that wasn't very good. And, um, yeah, I was just joining in for Dr. No, but I was like, no, I'm in for all of them, if you like. Oh, that's and good for the We've just gone from there. I like that. That's 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 nice. Can we get the the original pilot one day as a as a special, as like a <laughs> you know like in TV series I where you think it exists anymore? No, it's in the no. dustbin of history now. The dust. That's yeah. very profound, Becca. The dustbin of history. It's in room one hundred and one with a particularly lewd on a blackman joke. It's <laughs> <laughs> never going to see the light of day. Which is the stuff of legend already. I think amongst people who listen to this podcast, this joke. Well, the thing is, it was the editing job was phenomenal because Becca says something, and my response just sounds so like respectful and like, um, and it seems immediate as well. But there was about three or four minutes of utter. There was four minutes of Chris <laughs> laughing with no break, and Becca just going. <gasps> and, uh, it got cut, Don't blame so it all on me, Dave. Don't blame it all on me. <laughs> yeah. So you're on. Um... Pick a flick where I'm breaking the rules again. I did this in episode two, which was about Shakespeare films, because I promised one of my friends that I would uh, carry on one over from Black Hole Cinema, which was the previous podcast. And uh, I did I did one breaking the rules of pick a flick, which, as you know, is where the audience picks Start as you mean to go on. Yes. Exactly. I've broken the rules twice in five episodes. Sue me. Yeah. Okay. So, in this case, because of Spectre, and because, like you guys, I am just an enormous Bond fan. It is my... My favourite thing in the mo- at the movies, without question, and always has been. I thought, Sonny, we're going to do one. We're going to do a pick a flick that we're going to talk about all the new Bond films of recent years. So we're going to focus on the Daniel Craig era, which obviously has come to something of a climax with Spectre. No pun intended there, or no dirty joke intended. So yeah, we're going to we're going to go through the Daniel Craig era, and then we're going to discuss what we think it lies next for James Bond, and then we're going to finish off with a quiz in which we're going to test these bond geeks geeks nerds. bond nerds very good on uh, just just how much yeah just how much they know about not much about 007 <laughs> well we'll see we'll see we'll see and see and you can try and unseat matt laden at the top of the leaderboard oh. uh, so let's start as we mean to go on let's pick a flick or should i say pick a flick or pick some flicks. Pick a flicks. That doesn't work. Pick some flicks. As long as you don't pick, pick and flick. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start with the first of the James Bond films to star Daniel Craig, which is Casino Royale. Which 
was directed by Martin Campbell and written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and Paul Haggis. The film marks the third screen adaptation of Ian Fleming's 1953 novel of the same name. Casino Royale is set at the beginning of Bond's career as Agent 007, just as he's earning his license to kill. And after preventing a terrorist attack at Miami International Airport, Bond falls in love with Vesper Lind, the Treasury employee assigned to provide money he needs to bankrupt a terrorist financier, Le Chiffre, by beating him in a high-stakes poker game at the Casino Royale in Montenegro. Here's a little clip. By the cut of his suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally think human beings dressed like that. But you were it with such disdain. My guess is you didn't come from money. And your school friends never let you forget it. Which means you were at that school by the grace of someone else's charity. Hence the chip on your shoulder. And since your first thought about me ran to orphan, that's what I'd say you are. Well, you are. <laughs> I like this poker thing. And that makes perfect sense. Since my six looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect queen and country. You know, former SAS types with easy smiles and expensive watches. Rolex? Amiga. Beautiful. Now, having just met you, I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard. No, of course not. But it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. So as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed hearts. You noticed. Even accountants have imagination. So, Casino Royale. This was where New Bond began. New with NU, I suppose, letters. Is it the best one? Is it the best of Craig's films, or have we, have, has it been topped? Yes, it is the best one of Craig. Sorry, Skyfall lovers, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the film has. I think the Bond series has had two masterpieces, and Casino Royale is one of them. Which is the other one? On a Majesty's Secret Service. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. I never expected a Bond film that good. In recent years, we've just had rinse and repeat every two years, every three years, with with variations, and this was just fantastic in every way. A complete reimagining of the cinematic version of the character, and it just gets everything right. Everything, from lead performance to dialogue, to the plot beats, to casting, to... It's probably David Arnold's best score. Yeah, it's I would just, agree. It, 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 is, it is a fantastic film. And it's... Um, it, it, to be honest, I, I will never give Craig a hard time if he doesn't, to my way of thinking, match it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about there being two masterpieces in the series. Whether you agree with that's a different matter. But we're talking about 53 years of films and 24 of them now. Mm. It, to go in expecting any film to be in the top two, I think, is a, is a tough ask. I think if you get a sort of top ten or a top half, I think you can be happy with that. And Craig's general strike rate has been pretty good. But his definitive, his masterpiece, is Casino Royale. I agree with that completely. I mean, like from going from Brosnan's Dying of a Day, oh. from, go, from going to this, it was it's complete. You know, my opinion. I'm quite fickle. My opinion changes. Like I watch Skyfall and go, oh, it's amazing, and then I watch Casino Royale and I go, oh yeah, no, that's the best one. But I won't watch Quantum and say it's mm. the best one. For me, that that will forever be in the number four position. Mm. Yeah, it, it changes, it changes. What do we think Casino Royale gets right? Have, have I said it all? I mean, Chris, what do you, what does it get right? For me, it just gets the tone right. It gets the the roughness 
of of his character. Like uh, like I said on the on new podcast about Spectre, what I miss about Craig is how yeah, even though the the, are, the fights are generally rougher than they were with Brosnan, you know, I I I miss that after effect where he's like literally like healing the cuts off his face after just one fist fight. You know, I miss that kind of roughness where like, you, you feel it, you really feel no, I, the I would agree there, like in Spectre, I mean, not to spoil, but there's like a few scenes that are particularly brutal, and yet you see Daniel Craig is fine in the next scene. You, we, we don't see that in Casino at all. There's a touch secret in Spectre, but you compare that to the one in, in Casino Royale where he's generally like hmm. beating half his life, and he's and yeah. he's in like hospital for like at least yeah. a couple of weeks. Like, yeah, whereas uh, in this film, he's like, shagging like, 20 minutes later. Yeah. It's yeah. like it, it, the the intent of the of the torch scene was like, well, this is gonna like majorly fuck up like this this party. Break. It doesn't. No, no, and it's, and right it's so it's simple. It, it, it's not. It's not slow dipping mechanism, is it? No, it's not overly no. like it's, exotic death. It, it, you know? I mean, it's in the book to be fair, but I mean, it even it, it's even harsher. Apart from the fact in the book he has his hand carved as well. That's pretty gross. On the back mm. of his hand, they they carve smirts Bionum, don't yeah. they? On his mm. hand or something like that. Um, apart from that, I think the film is actually more brutal than the book. Let's spool back a little bit because, um, as as we know, or as you guys know at least, mm. Casino Royale was produced previously as firstly a 1954 television episode, and yes. then the 1967, <laughs> well, yeah, and then the, then the 1967 satirical film. But the, the, so the television episode, how many have you seen this? Yeah, yeah climax. Yes. Yeah, yes, I have. Um, with uh, it's on YouTube. Barry Nelson, Barry Nelson as as James Bond and. No, Card Sense Jimmy Bond, that was it. Card That's Sense Jimmy yep. Bond, yeah. This almost links into a lot of the story around Thunderball, in as much as you get the impression Ian Fleming was just desperate to get this character on the screen without understanding the conventions of screenwriting, filmmaking, or anything. And so it doesn't surprise me that it sort of turns up in a couple of sort of abortive versions. I can see why it went the teleplay route. Because the the adaptation of the book and Becca has read all the books, it's not really a feature no, film, is it? Not the really, book. No. I mean, it's pre- it's pretty much just like a couple of car games and a torture scene. Yes, it's not the most yeah. cinematic thing. Um, mm. but, you know, Fleming was he's a novelist, he's an author, he's a writer, mm. he's not a screenwriter, not a filmmaker. So, well, I think I think that's one of the things that struck me with with the f- the two thousand and six film is because obviously you've got the whole hour before that he even gets to Casino Royale. Which is not from the book, and all that, all the stuff beforehand at the airport, and you know, in the Bahamas, that's all. That's all new. That's all created yeah, for the film. Which, but it's, it's really, it's really good, and it's amazing to think that you know, Casino Royale and, and Vespa is an hour into the movie, but it works, yeah. and it, it, it allows for two, the two big action sequences of the film. And it, you know, it works in that sense. What about the the nineteen sixty seven film? Then oh. I mean that that is. Just we we actually refuse. I mean, you've listened to our intro episode. We've actually yeah. refused to yeah, cover it. I know. I remember that one from our canon. But it's, um, it's a guilty pleasure, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it was a pleasure. See, I was going to say I'd take pleasure off. It's, it's guilty, definitely guilty. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's probably Woody Allen's worst. The problem is, it, 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 I mean, it's it's five directors. That's the problem. Yeah. Five different directors, countless scripts. You know, and it, the, the film is. It, it, you know, sometimes you get crea- real creativity out of like sets that are a mess. Well, Casino Royale, the, the, the way that film was made, shows on the screen absolutely yeah, literally. Mess. It's got a great score though. Eon then mm-hmm. gained the rights to Casino Royale in 1999 after Sony exchanged them um, for sp- the rights to Spider-Man, and then mm-hmm. in 2004. 
um, Neil Purvis and Robert Wade began writing a screenplay for Pierce Brosnan as Bond still, aiming to bring back the flavour of Ian Fleming's original Bond novels. Now, there's a few interesting things about this. The one, one that this could have featured Brosnan. Now, obviously, after Dying of the Day, in which he wasn't necessarily too old to play Bond, but he kind of I actually think he was, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think he looked younger throughout that film, weirdly enough. But so it's CGI. like, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Mm. I think he might have had one more in him. But what would would this would they have even been able to do this with 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 Pierce Brosnan at that point? Well, hang on a minute. I mean, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is a very mature Bond at the end of his career, or well, not the end of his career, but very near the end of his career. The film stars a twenty-nine-year-old man, the the youngest Bond, and mm. actually benefits from the fact that. In that film, Lazenby makes a lot of tactical mistakes. You know, he makes the mistake of a young man. He puts his libido ahead of the mission and makes mistakes there. He doesn't do enough research in certain areas, and he gets caught out. So it's quite possible. I mean, I certainly know that when Tarantino was talking about doing this film, he wanted to set it after the death of Tracy. So all I'm saying is Mm. that it depends how literal you go. The basic story is Bond besting somebody, uh, Bond being sent to psychologically beat somebody as opposed to physically, whilst being betrayed. And you can take the general tenets of the story and do that later in somebody's career. It doesn't have to be Origin. I think it suits Origin better. But, I mean, this film, I'm glad it wasn't, but this could have been done with Brosnan, I think. Or put it this way, Casino Royale could have been done with Brosnan, not this Casino <laughs> Royale. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those interesting things, like what Tarantino directed, like an age Pierce Brosnan doing, like essentially like the origin of Bond. It does seem like I do wonder what how that would have turned out. Very violent, I'm sure. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. Would it? I mean, I, I, no, I, I don't Well, he said it, he said he was going to set it. In yeah, like yeah. like Dave says, in the fifties, mm. yeah, you know, and have it mm. um, film it in black and white and and everything. It, it would have been a very yeah, very different. I, I honestly film, think, I think that's a red herring because in order to direct for the, a Bond film, I think it's a bit like I think it's the opposite problem from the Star Wars films. That with Star Wars, it, you couldn't be a member of the directors' guild, and with this, you have to be. And Tarantino isn't. Mm. I don't think he'd have ever been able to do a Bond film. I think y- you have to widen the question out really and, and almost say did Brosnan have a fifth film in him? I, I think he probably, he could have got away with another one but mm. that's about it and it, it depends how quickly they would have moved I mean like, it took another three years to do Yeah. Mm, I mean it was just about looking like someone... It was very or... noticeable on the big screen, I mean I, I saw it yeah. in cinemas a couple of times and there are, two, there are three things I noticed with Brosnan in that film that are just physical firstly he doesn't look as fit in that film he certainly doesn't look fat but he's not as in good shape secondly i think they were they are so paranoid about any kind of male pattern baldness and we know from history that like we know from now brosnan's not bald by any stretch but they did augment his hairline with pieces and if you watch the scene where he first meets jinx he's quite quite buffon (laughs) and and also on the big screen he's got that sort of cliff richard (laughs) neck going on (laughs) It, you know, um, it, it, he's it, he's too he's too old, but he's it, but he's okay when you put it mm. on the small screen. It, so yeah, I think he could have got I, away. I mean, there's I, I, nothing. I think it's dying of days, like the Bond equivalent of a midnight crisis. It's like no, no, we're, we're young, we're hit, cool. Like look, we got you know doing all the CGI or this yeah. modern no, shit. Actually, no, you're like, not. <laughs> Die another day, as popular as it was, was a sign yeah. that it was time for a change. 
Which which obviously came when Craig was uh, was brought in on the on the back of layer cake in many respects. But before then, there was a few other names in contention. Um, Goran Viznic from uh, from ER. There was Carl Urban. Goran Viznic. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Henry Cavill was the was in contention, Second. but he was he was yeah. considered too young. Martin Campbell wanted Henry Cavill. They were the final two. They wanted to go the route of a twenty-two-year-old Bond, and the producers wanted Craig, and they got their way. I don't think. I, I think they. I think they all approached that last two with a good heart. I think they were happy with either of them. But my understanding is it was it was particularly Martin Campbell pushing for Cavill. Well, that's interesting because you look now and you think, well, Craig has obviously made this new incarnation of Bond his own. And when you think back, you know, there was the whole Daniel Craig is not Bond.com and Blonde not Bond, you know, all, all, the, all this kind of thing. I mean, they must, those people now must look back and go, I was a big <laughs> dick, <laughs> you know. Obviously then um, they were thinking about the Bond girl, you know, Bess Berlin, who obviously is a really powerful, you know, character in, in, in this film. And they, you know, there were people, names banded around were Angelina Jolie, Charlize Theron, Cecile de France whose English accent apparently wasn't up to scratch, or Audrey wow. Tattoo. I think Eva Green, I mean, again, I'm not sure I could imagine anyone playing she, Vesper yeah, so it. well as Eva she Green. She was cast so late. Yeah. I mean, they were already in the Bahamas filming when she sort of joined Yeah, she was quite late to the, added to the role, wasn't she? Mm. So was, was there somebody already cast and then they pulled out then, or...? No, I don't think somebody pulled out, but there is somebody who was closer to getting it than any of the names we've just heard, and I cannot remember who it is. But Vesper then, I mean... Thinking about, I mean, obviously this film, it's, it's, it's a success for many reasons, you know. Uh, heavily, heavily the way Craig plays the role, the way it's written, the way it's directed, the stylistics, the, the vibrant action, you know, which is a world away from Dawn of the Day. But I think the main reason it works, and it, it's my favourite Craig Bond, and possibly one of my favourite Bonds, is because of Bond and Vespa. I think it's beautifully done, that relationship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She has to sort of, I mean, that line, it, it's in all the trailers... When Mathis says to him, you know, melted your cold yeah. heart yet? Yeah. About about her. And that's kind of what she does. He, he opens himself up. It doesn't go well. And he heals over his heart, if you like. And that informs the bond we know afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. People talk a lot about the literary bond and all the rest of it. We don't want the literary bond. He's not a very nice man. No, he's, he's not he's a misogynist. protagonist. But what you want is flavours of it. Dalton gave us flavours of it. Connery did as well. And Daniel Craig does, and there's several points where, but the one that always springs to mind is when they're in the car on the way to Casino Royale, mm-hmm. and he, he's getting out the passports and he's saying, you know, I'm <laughs> you know, Stephanie Beach or whatever it was, <laughs> and you're Stephanie, but she says, uh, you, don't worry, you're not my type, she says smart, and he looks out the window and just calmly yeah. says single. Single. And that, that is, that is. Pretty much. I think Fleming if we had the, the true, yeah. you know, Fleming Bond, I, you couldn't see it on screen, it would just be banned. Well, it's, it's interesting because I made the point on. Um, I went on Fatal Critics uh, the other night and I was talking about Bond. Yeah, I need to listen made. to that. One thing I, I said at the, uh, on that was that I felt at times, and this is not a criticism, but I felt at times that Craig's Bond was a real arrogant prick in this film. And, but I think that's, that is going back to the Fleming kind of Bond, in that there are moments where he's. He's just, he's just yeah, a quack. Yeah, he's just a bastard. And obviously, by the I end, you know, you, you never, you, you, yeah, you, you, you never dislike the guy, but you're always, you do think at times yeah. you're a right prick. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that, that's something you have. Like, I, I don't remember seeing in Don very often. He is bordering yeah, on the ridiculously yeah. arrogant early in that film. It gets um, back to that, this film, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I, I, I've, I've often said on the podcast, I think Craig has got actually more in, in common with, with Connery than he does Dalton, which is his obvious mm-hmm. normal I think we point that of comparison. Like the mm, I guess, or Thunderball of the series so far, in terms of like how he looks and the performance and things like that. I really like the moments where he is a proper <laughs> twat. Basically, I, 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 I do like the, the, those moments where he mm. shines, shines through because it's like, oh, you, you're not just glossing over, you are getting to well, the That's what Bond's all about. He is essentially a bastard. As, as <laughs> long as you, do, it's, I mean, it's, yes, we're, yes, we're all supposed to like him because he's mm. like charming, and that's all, and, and that's what carries us through. It's as it. long as you do it organically, though, isn't yeah. it, Chris? Because the fact is, I mean, you can be a bit of a twat on film, uh, on film as a character. Providing the sort of situation sells it to you, whereas you've got like the Brosnan era, which I do have more fondness for than comes across a lot of the time, but it's almost more obnoxious to see somebody who's supposedly perfect in every way. Mm. You know, he's a human being. Yes, he's a better than average human being, and he gets his way out of most. But he's not meant to be the best in the world at absolutely everything. That fencing, <laughs> horse riding. Mm. Um, and I like Craig's take on it. He's a superior agent. And when, sorry to step on Spectre here, but when he says to, to Mr. White, I can protect her, yeah. you believe him, no, it's not gonna be, you know. but it won't yeah. be easy. One of the reasons I think this film is a masterpiece is it's very di- I've often talked on the podcast about how the film stops and the action starts. Well, Casino Royale is very, very good for characterization through action. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot think of a film that's ever done it better. That that scene tells you everything you need to know about Bond being a blunt instrument, which yeah. is the t- a term from the book. Yeah, no, that, that action sequence where like like uh, the parkour guys doing all the fancy stuff, mm-hmm. and Bond's just like doing it, it's like on his heels, but doing it slightly differently by by thinking things, seeing like the, the shortcuts and. And just like saying, well, I can't do that. He's not oh, as hang good. on. Yeah. It's like like bit we jumps through like small gap in the wall, and he's like, he's just like, through oh, it, I yeah. can smash through this, just smash through it, you know. Yes. And it's like the idea is like with the with the hitting the the thing with the chain and him going up through the lift with the on the, the sky thing rather than climb it. Yeah. I think it's just really And what I generally love is right at the beginning of it is when he's literally they're watching him and the the other agent blows it and the guy starts running and. And Craig Bond's just literally they're they're not even panicking, just wait just still waiting as if like it's like as if nothing's happening. And he's waiting for the guy to run past and sitting literally as soon as he went past, that's where he darts off. I think the scene that underlines it for me in this film about characterization through action, which is what you said, Dave, is the scene on the stairwell uh, in the middle of, of the film. Because I think that really is it's it's brutal and it's it's really gritty and, and dark and visceral and it's all about the fact that he's trying to protect Vespa, and then obviously she goes and she cries in the shower, and he just comes and hugs her. It's just, it's, it's just remark. I mean, you know, every time I watch it, I'm like, wow. I feel like I've been pulled through the mud. I cannot think of a scene that pushes the boundaries of the 12A rating, yeah, or PG-13 Definitely. for any American listeners, as far as it will go, because that's a very brutal scene. And the second thing it reminds me of, everything you've just said about characterization is true. And as much as Bond is a no-nonsense villain, uh, sorry, a no-nonsense character in this film, they are no-nonsense villains, which is, you know, there's no slow dipping mechanism. Yeah. They're trying to decapitate the guy. Yeah. 
It, it, it's, I completely agree with you. I think it, it just it blows me away every time. And the, the level of characterization in the film, mm-hmm. alongside the action, alongside the performances, is just, is just stellar. And once you know where Vesper's ultimate arc is going, you can realise when you see the pain in her face at the bottom of the stairwell mm. that she has got herself into a world she never wanted. Well, let's talk about the ending um, bef- before we move on to the next one. Let's talk about the ending mm. because... I've, I have discussions with um, with one of my friends about this, and he he will always argue that it's a great film, but the the ending is it's Dark Knight syndrome, and that it's an ending too far. Now I, I've always disagreed with him. The whole the whole sequence in Venice with the falling house and Vesper, obviously her you know her ultimate end. I think that is the payoff, the real payoff for this film. But I I, I don't agree in that it's a, an ending too far. I mean, yes, I think it does it really really well. I think if there's one criticism, one major criticism to make <clears> it that. It does have unnecessary action sequence at the end, which I think as yeah, yeah but that tells you what genre it from. is, and it's yeah. a big studio it's like film. We 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 do need a payoff and some description, like a like a set sequence. So it, it it does feel like tagged on to a degree. However, it does work enough, and and the bits that count work very well still. So, and you know, it, we need that bit at the end where he's literally on the boat, which basically sums up. Bond, where he's fought the one time he's fallen for a girl, and you know, essentially broke his heart, and he's like, yeah, the bitch is dead, mm. job done, you know, and just moving on, and that is Bond. That is that final, obviously, moment though, where he he shoots Mister White, and it's Bond, James Bond. I mean, that's it, isn't it? That's 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 setting it out there. That's yeah, the art, you know. Bond, he has become the guy yeah. by that point. Yes. And it's just a fabulous rousing kind of, and then you obviously the music kicks in, and the first time we've probably heard the music in a way throughout, you know, it, it felt like, and it's something obviously that goes through certainly the next film as well. All the things we 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 took for granted with Bond aren't there anymore, and we're having to sort of adapt. So when you finally get that rousing Bond, James Bond, and da da da, it's like you cheer. I mean, I, I was yeah. at the end, I was like, yes. Yeah, you're probably you know, the end of the movie, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah I really do. I, I left so happy. Yes. <laughs> and I felt yeah. a bit like that. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, it, I, would, I just left so happy. When Bond comes back in 2008, it's not quite as happy story, is it, with uh, Quantum of Solace, which is the, uh, the 22nd James Bond film, directed by Mark Forster. It sees Bond seeking revenge for the death of Vesper Lind, spoiler alert, sorry, and is assisted by uh, Camille Montez, played by Olga Kurilenko, who is plotting revenge for the murder of her family. The trail eventually leads them to wealthy businessman Dominic Green, played by Matthew Amorik, a member of the Quantum Organisation, who ultimately intends to stage a coup d'etat in Bolivia to seize control of that country's water supply. Let's, let's see a clip of this. Fix your drink, sir. What are you drink? I don't know. What am I drinking? Three measures of Gordon's gin, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa, which is not vermouth. Shaken well until it is ice cold, then served with a large, thin slice of lemon peel. Six of them. That's impressive. That good you should have one. No, it'll just keep me awake. Oh, what's keeping you awake? 
I was wondering why you came with me. It takes something to admit you were wrong. You want to sleep in Pia? No. Play in Pia? No. I have pills for everything. Some make you taller. Some make you forget. I'm going to try and get some sleep. Good idea. Quantum of Solace, or a.k.a. Something of Boris, a.k.a. A Question of Sport. Quantum <laughs> 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 of Qualis, I think. Top, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, just that, I think I've had more fun with this film coming up with silly names for it than I ever have watching it. Mm. I think I mean, it's, it's, um, it's the last original Fleming title, I think, isn't it? Well, no, this is the thing. Is it Foxy of Well, no, it's the last one they've done. But, yeah, that's what they've yeah, done. They, they, they can do title. more. But we'll Property of a Lady is essentially Octopussy. There was a little spoiler. There was a little um, Easter egg there, wasn't there? I mean, it's it's widely known, believed now, to be one of, not the worst Bonds, but what certainly in terms of the Craig era. I don't, yeah, I don't think it's the worst ever Bond. I mean, for, like, no. For me personally, so, but yeah, it's like, the, for me, it'll forever be like, well, unless Craig drops an absolute whopper after Spectre, then it'll yeah. probably be like his, the weakest in his series for me. But this is it. I mean, that, that's the, I think that's the common like, sort of denominator for this. Most people would agree. But is it? I mean, you know, years for years, people were saying the same thing about Licence to Kill, and I think that's getting an increasing revisionist uh, applause these days. The thing they share is it doesn't look like what you're expecting to see when you walk into the cinema. Hmm. It shares that with Licence to Kill. Doesn't it look like a Bond movie, does it, pretty much? But Licence to Kill, whether you like, hate it, indifferent about it, or whatever, isn't hamstrung by a lot of the things that hamstrung this film. Three things I'm going to say straight off. Firstly, the editing. I watched this on the big screen and struggled with it. Cause you, on a big, if the screen's big enough, you can't even tell what's going on. I mean, during the scene where they're interrogating Mr. White, for all the world, it looks like Judy Denji's shot. You can't tell what's going on half of the time. Things go on out of shot. The Camille story is not that interesting, but we have to remember. Uh, it took, it was written during a writer's strike. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, terrible problems during production, so I think it's a real product of its time, and it really suffers because of that, unfortunately. And they tried to rush it, because I think they were so excited. This is the bit that screams Barbara Bo- Broccoli to me, and I think she's done a wonderful job with the series, so I don't mean to sound too critical, but the moment Casino Royale was released, Quantum of Solace was going to come out in May 2008. And that really strikes of the producers being so excited about the bond they mm. have. Just keen to get out as quickly as they yeah. can. Uh, obviously, it slipped a little bit, and the writer's strike didn't help. But they chose the wrong director, the wrong editor, yeah. and mm. they had a writer's strike. But I, I'm with Chris in that I, I think there's a really good film in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, yeah. Say, I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad film. I'm just saying you know, it's, it's a decent stand-up action film. As a Bond film, mm. perhaps not so much. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad movie, you know. Well, I like it as a you know as a Bond movie, but it's not your archetypal Bond movie, I guess. Um, but as you know, it's, it's a decent action movie. Um, Camille, I think, is a is a brilliant Bond girl. But yeah, it does it does suffer due to you know industrial action and a few other technical issues. But, yeah. but for me, it'll just be mainly be... no gumball at the end. Stupid. Oh, stupid. <laughs> don't get me started. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I, I like it. As, it's not one of my worst. I don't think it's like worst ever Bond movies. Um, I, I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I like to watch it, but it just for me, in terms of the Craig movies, it's forever going to be the bottom position. Mm. I mean, I, I I can't really disagree too much with what either you said. I I, I found myself kind of almost defending the film all the time because 
whenever it's mentioned, it's kind of like done with a, oh my god, because it was so terrible, wasn't it? It's oh my not god, diamonds it's on forever. Well, it is. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, exactly. It's like, oh my god, it's it's like, oh, it's it's almost a watchable. Oh, everything about it's so bad. It's like thinking, no, it, it's not that bad. It's just like it's just flawed. Well, that's in, yeah, like, I, Chris. I mean, I was, I was perfectly happy with it. I was actually perfectly happy with it. I was like, okay, fine. It's not as good as CRL. Okay, on on the next one. You know, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. You know, it's okay. It's yeah, not as bad as everyone be. says. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. It makes a few missteps. All right, but and it's a handsome film. Yeah, it looks I good. I mean, it looks when good. the camera stays, I mean, I, I I'd stick by everything I said about editing, directing, and everything else. But he's dressed well. He looks well. The 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 um, locations are great. It's a pretty film. Yeah. I think. I think it has some good set pieces as well, like the yeah, chasing the henchmen uh, across the rooftops and that whole bit, the swinging through like uh, with yeah. ropes and the scaffolding. I thought that that that's pretty good. I mean, it does take like a bit artistic approach, like particularly the scene in the opera. Where that was me. That was me. That's the best scene in the whole film. And it's like I love that scene. Cutting away to the opera, and it's like almost like that you don't really see. It. And some people complained about that. It's like, oh, you know, Mark Foster can't do an action scene. Okay, yeah, but they were trying something different. And okay, it might not work for. Some people, but yeah, go on. At least they try to be different. And again, you know, if it doesn't work, fine. A cinematic bond goes, and I don't mean the character. I mean my experiences of bond at the cinema. My time. Uh, firstly, I only saw Quantum of Solace once, mm. which is unusual for me with a Bond film. I don't go again and again, but I do watch them more than once generally. And I watched this film once, which tells you something. And I include Die Another Day in this, and, and I've seen every Bond film with the exception of Licence to Kill because of my age at the time, since A View to a Kill at the cinema. And Quantum of Solace is not the worst Bond film from that period, but it is comfortably my worst first viewing of that entire period. I had a terrible, terrible time with it at the cinema. I couldn't see what was going on. I couldn't follow it very well. I thought it was a complete mess. And it followed, and it followed one of the best films in the series, which is really tough. That's the point, I think. Yeah. I think this is why people feel this because the expectation was high, really high. Mm. Because Casino Royale, mm. the whole point was Casino Royale wasn't just a great Bond film; it was a great film. And the, and this is this is the same thing that happened with Skyfall. You know, people mm. were the expectation was enormous because it was such a great movie in general. So when when we got mm. something that was there was a sense that it was rushed, that it was trying too hard, if anything, to be kind of Bourne-esque w- with having, taking a lot more... Well, even the the, se- it, the second unit was the Bourne team. Was, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's that whole idea that it's really trying to Xerox something else and lose... I mean, for me, the whole thing was... I mean, Mark Forster has, has said that he's, he's not a big Bond fan, so he doesn't really know it. Not that you have to be, but the whole idea is that, you know, when you compare to someone like Sam Mendes, who we'll talk about in a bit, he's loved Bond since, like, Live and Let Die came out. So you can you can yes. feel that kind of love yeah, for it. You feel the passion for it, can't you, I think? Right. You've got someone who's come in, and it was a bit like when Stuart Baird direct, star, directed Star Trek Nemesis. He was someone who had quite a disdain for the series. Well, he was calling him Data. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. He didn't, he didn't understand it at all. He didn't, he didn't mm. get what it was. And I think... To an extent, that that's the mm. same thing that happened with Mark Forster. A perfectly good director, good director of drama as well. But he, he was just well, not the right guy. he did Monsters Ball. Yeah. And I, I will yeah. always remember him for that because he, not only was I thought I thought it was a terrific film, but everybody in it was wonderful. And we know now that bad directors tend to get bad performances. Yeah. It would have been more interesting if Roger Michel was the director because he was originally pegged for it because he directed... 
Daniel Craig in Enduring Love and The Mother, both of which are really good films. I've not seen The Mother, but I, I, I'm with you on Enduring Love. Yeah, Enduring Enduring looks fabulous, and it's disturbing. The Mother is not quite the same film, but it's very good. It's got a great performance well, by really Craig. Beautiful. If I can recommend the book Enduring Love, I remember doing it for my A-level English, mm. and it's just one of the best books I've ever read. I love Ian McEwan. Would have been yeah, a very we're... different Bond film. It would have been. Like... It, well, yeah, I, I think it would have been a... a it's hard to imagine because again Roger Michel isn't known for, for big action set pieces you know he does things like I watched one recently with him called Changing Lanes which has got Ben Affleck oh in. yeah the, was it Ben Affleck Morgan Freeman one uh, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson it, yeah so yeah you know it's it, and that's not a massive action piece so it would have been interesting we may have had the same issue you know it might have been the same thing but I think the problem was with Quantum of Solace that it just lacked the Bond. People were happy with the fact that Bond had sort of stripped a lot of the silliness away, but I think people with Casino Royale there was still the humour, there was still the the Bondian elements, there was the tuxedo, there was the the glamour of it all. Because Quantum of Solace just seemed to strip it all away, and it was a very bleak film, like really. Film, and it yeah. just yeah, very stark. A lot of it doesn't make a lot of narrative sense either. No, it doesn't. I mean, if you start talking about Felix and his boss, you can drive a co- coach and horses between what they're trying to do yeah. and different scenes. And, you know, it. it I just, I just like I the mean, Becca, Becca, to be fair, you know, I, I'm interested in her opinion definitely on Camille because she's a very different kind of Bond girl, and that's fine. But I actually could not care less about Camille's story. They do no, not sell enough. it to me. I'm not that yeah. interested in it, and th- there's very little in the film that hooks me, other than it's quite attractive and it follows on from a masterpiece. Yeah, so in terms of Camille, I think her storyline, I say it isn't probably that convincing, but I think in terms of her character, I mean, she she does kick ass. She's out for revenge. Mm. I mean, there's a scene obviously where she has to be rescued by Bond shortly after, but yeah, I mean, I'm quite happy with her self reliance and all that. But yeah. I mean, there's a bit where there's a bit after they skydive. That's what I prefer about her. Where, rather where, than where he says, some, she says, you know, have you caught the person who did it yet to Bond? And he says, not yet. I'd like to know and how then it she feels. starts talking. She starts talking about General Majano and what he got up to. And at that point, I'm tuning out, and I should be wrapped in that. That should be quite interesting. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I I I like her. Uh, I mean, I get the fact that her storyline is quite. She had to follow Eva Green. Uh, yeah, for me, that's going to be difficult. You know, it is Diamonds Are Forever syndrome. But, if you're following again, something great, you're going to struggle. Yeah, fair but enough. again, you, you, it was trying doing something different. I mean, like it could have easily, like generically written in that Bond shagged her at the end. No, I'm, this didn't I, I'm this really time. glad it, it was, the Craig era. It was, do that. It, it it was like a, like a general, like no, that you don't need to do that. No. Like, well, I think the, the there was there was some interesting ideas, but I mean the thing is it, the reason I think as we talked about the writer strike didn't help. You know the fact that uh, Craig's admitting yeah, to and Star Trek the fly. suffers from the exact same problem. Where you think well, a couple of rewrites and you'd have sorted that particular problem, right? But you know, there's some, there are some interesting ideas behind it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a quote from Mark Forster, which he talks about the political landscape of the film. He says this: "Because Bond plays it real, I thought the political circumstances should be real too. Even though Bond shouldn't be a political film, I thought the more political I make it, the more real it feels. Not just with Bolivia and what's happening in Haiti, but with all these corporations like Shell and Chevron saying they're green because it's so fashionable to be green. During the Cold War, everything was very clear: the good guys and the bad guys. Today, there's much overlapping of good and bad." It isn't as morally distinct because we all have both elements in us. Now, there's a scene, isn't there, with Tim Pickett Smith as the the, um, the minister, where he talks to to M. Yeah, I don't know who he left to trade with. Right, and it's so there's 
there's this underlayer that's that's an interesting film, but it's a very it's born. It's more much more of a born style kind of idea, which is all about the geopolitics behind this this thing. Now, that's not to say that Bond can't do that, but there's just something about no, but, it that doesn't but once work. Once you start, yeah, but it, it is a dangerous ground. It's it's a yeah. bit almost like the difference between Superman and Batman, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Bond, because the, the the problem is right. Uh, you know, if you started bringing our own personal politics into this. I've never watched Bond. He's quite a ring, you know, right wing character. Yes, it's all yeah, about, exactly. You know, it, it, yeah. it would be you, you can't think about it like that because once you start talking about the morality about it, you know, British involvement in foreign policy is not always squeaky clean. No, no, it's largely imperialism. So I'm not saying you can't introduce realism or at least what you know Richard Donner would have called like verisimilitude, mm. that you know it at least feels plausible. But once you start getting into the rights and wrongs and grey areas, Britain's never going to come out of that very well, and you end up making Bond look like a stooge. And I think to an extent, that's that's he was more like a chess piece that people were trying to move about in this. And I think that by the time by the time you get to the end, where the idea is that the the payoff, the emotional payoff, has happened, that he's found his revenge for, for Vespa. I think that the the point was for me, it felt hollow because. You never really got a sense of the of the, the the responsibility from anybody. You know, you never you never really got the sense. The quantum wasn't as I mean, obviously now we know if quantum was part of something else, but that's a retrofit. That's not what they planned. That, at yeah, the that's time. totally a retrofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. retrofit. The, the idea is that the the payoff just didn't seem strong enough to warrant. And that that's what that's the script. That's the failing of the script. That's the failing of. And they didn't have enough time. The story. I mean, he, he takes he no, takes Dominic Green out into the desert. And he says, I've told you everything I know about quantum. Mm. Well, with a bit more time, we might have learnt the salient points of that. Mm. But they That's didn't it, have time, so that gives you an excuse to drop quantum. Because, well, you've told a government agent who's like world-class at everything that, you know, what it's all about. So we can presume he sorts it out. Mm. I mean, can, can we talk about what we think of quantum as uh, a organisation? Anyway, what what do we think? Are we... Do, did we actually like the idea of quantum, or do you think it was just like uh, a pale? Yeah, well, it was a pale spectrum yeah, well, imitation, but at the same time, they had no choice. They didn't have the rights. And what I really liked about the Connery era was that slow tease over a number mm. of films that, like, actually, mm. they're really pervasive. And you know, you end up at a health farm in film five, and some guy in the next bed is part of it. I, I kind of liked it to take at the time. I mean, yes, I think uh, because it did took there was like a considerable amount of time between this and Skyfall, and the way Quantum was Quantum mm. was thought of as like a you know a, a dud essentially. I think there was time to kind of flesh Quantum out a bit more. I mean, they were kind of like a, a new age Spectre in, in a, in a they way. Were, they were they were Spectre like, without about. Name. And the other thing, the whole structure of the films it builds towards Mr. White not being top of the tree. It was going to build towards that. You know, at various times we had Al Pacino, we even had Rachel White at yeah. one point. Yeah. <laughs> now I find out from Spectre that actually uh, Mr. White was at the top of the tree for Quantum. Yeah. But it's a retrofit, and I'm quite happy to forgive it. They did the best for what they had. Well then, if, if Quantum of Solace was a little bit of a a misstep on the Craig journey, then the next one is is where it all seemed to come together for most people. Skyfall 
is the 23rd film, the 23rd James Bond film, which again features Daniel Craig, and was directed by Sam Mendes, written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade and John Logan, who joins the series, featuring an Academy Award-winning theme song by Adele, and features Bond investigating an attack on MI6 after being left for dead, wounded, missing for a few months. Part of a plot by a former MI6 agent called Raoul Silva to humiliate, discredit and kill M as revenge against her for betraying him. Let's see a little clip of this one. I'd like to start with some simple word associations. Just tell me the first word that pops into your head. For example, I might say day and you might say wasted. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Gun. Short. Agent. Provocateur. Woman. Provocatrix. Heart. Target. Bird. Sky. M. Bitch. Sunlight. Swim. Moonlight. Dance. Murder. Employment. Country. England. Skyfall. Skyfall. Done. Well, this is going well. Skyfall really was the one, wasn't it, where... I mean, the expectation wasn't there. I mean, this is the thing. After Quantum of Solace, it had gone for four years. It had been a bit of a break. Quantum of Solace had let a lot of people down. So... At first, Skyfall was a bit of an unknown quantity, wasn't it? Because a lot of people were thinking, well, this is make or break now, I think. What is it about it? Why was it such a massive, massive success? You know, it made over a billion. What was it about Skyfall? I think it was more about how it looked and how it kind of... Uh, I think it, it's... Sam Mendes is a very talented filmmaker, so he made like a very watchable-going film that looked very... It, it, looked, it looked very nice, it looked very stylized as well. We hadn't seen a Bond film 
quite like this, not done this way. And it felt very big, very mainstream. It just felt like a, a big event for everyone to go and see. Uh, I think that's probably the key to the reason why, because plot isn't particularly great, I don't think. But I think it was, it was just nice to probably have to see something that was con- coherent. I well, Die say. Another Day is by far the biggest grossing of the Brosnan era, really comfortably. And that was the 40th anniversary, and an awful lot more hype went on around it. There was a lot more advertising, the um, premiere was um, televised, etc. And I think the same is true of Skyfall, that, you you know, we only had the Olympics three or four months before, and you had, like, Bond skydiving with the Queen, you know, and so on. There was a lot of hype around it, Um, there was a bit of pent-up demand because... As much as we might demand, uh, sorry, defend Quantum of Solace, there hadn't been a popular Bond film for six years by that point, mm, mm. and we st- and unlike when Brosnan came along, the previous Bond was still, you know, the current Bond had, had been in place for that film, and everyone wanted him to sort of carry on. You had an Oscar-winning director, um, you had cineasts out there had enjoyed things like No Country for Old Men, and there was an extraordinary villain performance in that film and they got him for it there was lots going on in that film that took advantage of the marketing around the olympics and everything else and i think you know it's easy for us to bat it away because certainly myself and chris aren't as in love with it as some people but i think it's fair to say the the story resonated with a lot of people so it got pretty good word of mouth and yeah it took off beyond anything we ever expected i think i think what it what it did was came at a point where like you say there was a hell of a lot of hype you're absolutely right but mm. because as i say people have been let down by the last one i think people really wanted to love it and i think there was a lot of mm. a, there was a lot of great buzz around it you know there was there was a really respected director there was a, a really great cast i mean you know you've got you've got the best cast probably of all of them so far from craig you know with obviously as well as Judy Dench and Javier Bardem, you know, Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris, Albert Finney, amazing, you know, cropping up. I mean, it's just, mm. yeah, it was just one of those things when you saw the cast coming together, you were like, wow, this is, this is amazing. You, what you actually see as a microcosm of the Craig era in, in total, I mean, back in the Brosnan era, you had like Roger Spottiswood directing films, the director exactly. of Stop All My Mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we get to whether you like Sam Mendes, he's an Oscar winning film director. Creme de la creme, yeah. you? you have Roger Deakins, and uh, yeah, I get, yeah. I, I've, I've said this on our most recent podcast. I'm really not in love with the, the the look of Skyfall as much as people talk about it, but the fact is, Coen Brothers films are beautiful. Mm. If you can get Roger Deakins to do your film, Jesus Christ, there is a cachet around Bond films that have not been there for years and, yeah. and that Skyfall was the perfect storm of it Definitely. yeah it was it was and and it, it had a lot of elements that came together I think you know you mentioned Chris that the plot isn't all that I, I think I've heard someone say this to me before I get the same friend I mentioned earlier actually who I've debated Casino Royale with you know he's often said to me that the plot isn't particularly great and I have to say I do agree you know I mean it, it struck me as being very um, it reminded me of the plot of the original Mission Impossible the first one with the with the list that get, gets lost on a, on a disc it was very much it felt very thin you know it just in order to peg on the whole you know silver being demented and, and going after him yeah. but but the first Mission Impossible is like about 90 minutes right. or so uh, yeah. this is like, oh, like yeah. over two hours so 
you know, it, you know, it knows it's thin, it just gets on with it, but this one is like, it drags it out a little bit too much. I think it feels like it bigs up that thin plot to be more important and more heft than there really is there. I think it builds up more on themes and doesn't really establish as, as much as it claims to do. Like, the, like for example, the, the bit where, spoiler, M dies, um, <laughs> and, and like, money, and money penny. Spoiler again. Uh, <laughs> comes up and like, and gives Bond like this uh, British bulldog thing that that apparent that and and I remember like hang on I didn't notice that at all watching. No, apparently this film. it had a, like emotional and, uh, meaning. And, and I just thought it means something. It's like what what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like hang on, have I missed something? It's like you know what? It's not even made. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, it's there subtly, but for it to kind of come out and make a, a thing of it right at the end, it's like no, no, you haven't done enough here. You've you've not established to use that thing it's little things like that that just kind of go you've not done your job as establishing the things you, that you need to do like the whole thing with uh, Sylvia is the fact that oh he's a hacker but we don't see him do any no, of that shit really. hacking, really. <laughs> you know, well when he's talking about all he's the, only bit, in as much really. as yeah, but, yeah, yeah but that's it it's just that that, that one mm. monologue scene where he talks about oh I can well, do this what did you score 18 now yeah. 40 17 now 40 but I think it's, it, the, the reason yeah. you say that is because, and you, you're right, in the sense, Silver's not meant to be that kind of hacker villain, even though that's, that's his prop. You know, that's what backs him up. He's meant to be that kind of dark, twisted, Jokerish reflection of Bond in that, in that way. You know, that's, that's kind of... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, the Scaramanga yeah, kind of thing. But again, I never got the fact that he's like Bond. There was like, nothing about him that like, reminded like, me of Sam, Bond, except no. he was Sam told Mendes he was a talked villain. About, and he's meant to be like a reflection of what Bond mm. could, like, could be. I was like... Oh, well, yeah, okay, but if Bond went I mean, bad, you've already seen it with 006. For me, the yeah. major problem of the film is I, I just don't like the last third. That you know, uh, up until Bond, uh, sorry, M does her poem at the hearing. I, I'm I'm with it, and as soon as they set off after that, I I really don't like this film. I mean, people say Home Alone. It's straw dogs, really. It's <laughs> straw, it's oh, yeah, straw it's dogs straw once dogs, they go yeah. away. And I, I just, I'm not that interested. Daniel Craig looks shit all the way through this film. I mean, the fact is, you know, I, we understand he's supposed to look bad early in the film, but all the way through he looks bad. I mean, I was looking at him thinking, he, he's getting too old, it's not suiting him. Then suddenly he turns up for Spectre looking amazing, to be quite honest. But all the way through the film, and everyone talks about the look of the film and Roger Deakins and everything else. Well... There's an establishing shot of Macau I really like. The casino looks really good. There's an establishing shot of Shanghai I like. And I think there's a couple of establishing shots in London and there's one in Scotland I like. The rest of the film looks really digital and has an incredibly washed out colour palette. I'm actually not that fond of the way this film looks. And I'm in, I'm, I am in a massive minority there. I'm not saying it's ugly. I'm just saying that everyone says what a beautiful film it was. And until, and until I, I started reading that... It had never even occurred to me. I don't necessarily agree with you 100%, but I do see what you mean. It does, again, like the positive hype mm. for Skyfall was like, he had constant people just But is, isn't it like Amazon like, Ruse, these reviews and these just, days? Everything either has to be the greatest or the worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's no middle yeah, ground. Yeah. You know, it's like Spectre, and we'll get to it in a minute. It's like, well, it's either brilliant or shit, and it's like, well, maybe it's actually just good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, okay. and I feel that way about Skyfall. I mean, I'm not going to ruin the rating, but I will say it's towards the bottom of the top ten for me. And that's not bad. 
you know, the fact it ain't Casino Royale, well, virtually nothing is. Yeah. No, you're not going to touch it, are and, you? and that's okay. That's okay. Skyfall is a decent film with a few problems. And I like it. It's fine. I think one of the big things it did was, and you mentioned it earlier with the Bulldog, Chris, and things like that, I think it was it was very, very, very British. Well, there goes, like, another problem with my, with it, and, it's, and it goes into Spectre as well. It's it's the it's a time where the the franchise the Bond franchise started to love itself a bit too much, and it sort of started. To, it found out by celebrating its 50th anniversary game. Yeah, look a Bond, it's great, and I don't think. A Bond well, I think what, it, really what, it, so what it's trying to do is, is establish itself again as a very British institution, and it's, it's making that point. You know, you know the amount the amount of it that's set in London. You know, there's probably more scenes in London in this film than in any other Bond film. You know, previously, or very few, anyway. Um, it's, it's, it's very much about you know the, the Britishness of the character and the franchise. And yeah, so it the brings, British one going then. Yeah, it's hugely British. The Spectre's got a bit of that, but not nearly to the same extent. No, and it's you know, and it's got you know, it, it has that element of that it's trying to be sort of patriotic. I think in an age where and, and the, Doctor, the Doctor Who celebrations had a similar thing going on at, at the same time. Oh yeah, definitely. It has yeah. it has that whole sense of. You know, we're living in a world right now where we've, we're certainly, if you're British, as we all are, you, you haven't got that much to be patriotic about right now. And I think that there's, that it was trying to make the point that Bond is a, you know, the whole Tennyson thing, the whole poem itself, you know, and you you cut between... We have an amazing literary past. Right, yeah, and you cut, nation, be, yeah. You, you cut between M quoting Tennyson about, you know, we are not with our strength and all this, and you see Bond running, you know, and it's, it's, it's a the whole idea it mythologizes Bond this film it mythologizes the idea of Bond in many ways and I think that's why people loved it because they it wasn't just about the CGI Aiden it was about the mythology of it and I think that stands a massive reason why it just got traction and and he's probably sucked in people who are Bond fans yeah just to be positive though for a second Oh, I love it. No, but Chris is right in saying it references itself and everything else. But we had an anniversary film ten years before it that went, look at us, look at us, look at us, look at us. This is from this film, this is from that film. Skyfall's nowhere near as bad an, an offender. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong. It's like, I'm hard, I, I might seem... I, I'm not as hard on, um, on Died of a Day because it's like... What, yeah, where yeah. do you start? You know, it's like, and I, and, and like, it's like, I, I, Dino Day, I know, is complete trash. Um, now I'll never say Dino Day is better than Skyfall, but like, I'm, it's like, you're hard, you're harder it because it could have been so much better. Because if it, if it just, if it just like, if it, it's like, it's like a teacher going to a student, well, well, if you, you could have got an A if you applied yeah, yourself, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's like, you know, Dino Day wasn't, you know, it was always going to be like, complete just there nonsense, are different ways you know, to do it though I think like with Dying of the Day you can't just make it yeah. better by you know oh look there's a reference to Thunderbolt oh look there's a reference to another film just purely by you know visually referencing mm. those films I think you can be self-referential in a way that's non as we talked on our earlier podcast about like it being yeah. cannibalistic I guess and you can do it properly and I think that's why Skyfall was so much more successful um, to self-referential in I, a, I think, really I think what disappoint I think what disappoints me though Becca is and we have some of the same problems with Spectre, which I'm sure we'll get to, is if you're going to take... Th- maybe it's studio filmmaking, maybe it's too many fingers in the pie, but it does disappoint me when they take an extra year or an extra two years or whatever to get it right, and you're still thinking, needs another two or three drafts of the script. No, that's true. And Sky- Skyfall has that, and yeah. Spectre has it as well. 
There was a lot around the whole Scotland thing that they could have done an awful lot fucking better. They could have chopped some of it out as well. It was a little bit on the long side. <laughs> and I'm not saying for a second Skyfall failed, by the way. But I may not be enamoured with bits of it. But, like, there's no other Bond film that's really like it. And that's not a bad thing. They tried to do something different. They largely succeeded. Skyfall, for all the problems I have, is a very, very decent James Bond film. I think the, the main issue why I sort of not take to it as much mm-hmm. as everyone else does, it just that I felt like it, rebu- it rebooted the franchise yet again when I didn't feel like it needed to be rebooted. And it, that, that kind of what it felt like to me. And I felt like, okay, so we're going to do the whole, whole angle what, so Bond's now old now all of a sudden, and we're going to play the whole... Like always washed up and. Skyfall has nothing to do with age. Yeah, I know, but it, it, but, I'm, I'm, but this is what I, relevance what and I, readiness. I that's what Skyfall's about. Uh, but again, I don't think it addresses its themes as much as it it, no. it should do. Well, if Skyfall brought things to a certain head in terms of critical respect and and obviously box office, the expectations were huge for the big one, the new one. Spectre is the most recent Bond film, the 24th, and it's Daniel Craig in his fourth performance as Bond, which sees Bond after a tip-off from uh, somebody we won't say, uh, <laughs> just in case you haven't seen the film. Bella and, uh, and, <laughs> he, uh, he goes <laughs> after a target that leads him into a much bigger conspiracy involving Spectre, a mysterious... Whoa, a mysterious organization who is led by Christoph Waltz playing Franz Oberhauser a very personal character to Bond in his past so let's see a clip of this one information is all is it not for example you must know by now that the double O program is officially dead (laughs) which leads me to speculate exactly why you came So, James, why did you come? I came here to kill you. And I thought you came here to die. Well, it's all a matter of perspective. Well, I don't know about you guys. I, was, I think we all saw this opening night, didn't we? And it's... Yes. Uh, and I think... I, I will say, and I'm not going to go into massive, massive loads of detail with this, because I did this bit on Foul Critics, but with Spectre, I had two reactions to it. I, the one reaction was the Bond geek in me getting enormously excited at so many things in this film, like the gun, like the gun barrel, yeah. like like the the action sequence at the beginning on the helicopter, like yeah. like yeah, like the the whole action sequence in the snow, like all the quips, like well, I won't go into all the reasons, any and obviously the end certain reveal of something and someone, but yeah. I had yeah I had that, but then I also had the critic head on, which all through the film was going that doesn't work no mm, not not convinced so i was kind of torn and funnily enough i went with not i went with my girlfriend and eight friends and w- when everyone came out of the cinema everyone went did you like it and everyone went yeah, yeah i did yeah. it wasn't like yes the problem is it ends yeah, it's really, really, really lazily the 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 the, 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 pro- the pro- and in comparison that and that is that will have an effect like you know you're like really enjoying yourself in the first hour or so by the time you get to the end you think well this is kind of half hour. yes it's a film with two halves yeah, right? like... literally you can chop it down the middle well it's old Bond isn't it I mean that's the big thing this this is we've talked about new Bond all the way through this is old Bond old Bond old 
you know, old dog, new tricks, new tricks, old old dog, whatever. It's I, I was stunned. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I was stunned actually at how at how much it reminded me of the Brosnan era in many respects and parts of the Moore era and how I felt when I came out of the cinema seeing things like Tomorrow Never Dies or you know or the world is not enough that immediate kind of geek feeling that i was so happy but then the more i think about it the more i'm like well it doesn't really it's quite hollow you know yeah, not to it. say i didn't enjoy it but it doesn't have the drama of the last in a way i mean as as, as iffy as quantum is as the last three films and that shocked me that genuinely shocked me yeah and really you really do need the well in terms of like the relationship with the the bong main bongle on this you really do need like that kind of thing to sell it. I, I didn't buy that there, one bit. I think I'm afraid. And yeah, and it's crucial, and that that is, I think, crucial to the film because that's based, based essentially what oh, the yeah. film I is think selling. I'm probably the only and person who did. Oh, I got like the character imagine this one. <laughs> yeah, the thing, thing she, she's a good character. No, no, I, I like the like relationship. I, I kind of felt it was a little yeah. bit more. Mm, you know, they tried to cover deficiencies in the script with acting, yeah. and they almost did it. In as much as after the torture scene and she rescues him, there's a moment where he stops and looks at her, and there's a long, longing look like he's realizing his feelings. After she saves him on the train and they go back, and it's meant to be like frantic sex, they are about to get down to it, but there's a long pause where he looks at her, and it's acting trying to cover for a script that doesn't sell it to us. And you, and I have to say you, that's a great point. And I was I don't know about you guys, but. The whole seduction scene of Monica Bellucci, I watched it with cringing hands because I was thinking, I don't believe this for one second. It looked awkward. It looked, it just looked, it didn't. Oh, God. When I think about it now, I'm like, no, I'm She's sorry. She's never met this guy. Yeah. And he smashes the champagne glass. I just don't buy it. You would no. normally, I think, probably slightly shit yourself at that point. It's, it's the whole thing that they that they could get away with in the 60s. You know, when, when he goes into the shower with um, what's-her-name in Thunderball. You can be so manly that it will overcome any kind of... Uh, descent. Right, but it doesn't fit. Mm. It doesn't fit Craig, and it, well, Craig's yeah. Bond anyway. It doesn't fit the story and the guy we've seen for the last three films. I don't buy it. I don't buy I don't it. If, if it if it's if it's if it's the arsehole of CRL, I didn't I have think. a massive problem with it. My main problem was, I mean, a lot of the complaints are what a waste of Monica Bellucci. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. But forget mm-hmm. the actress for a minute and just like say, just talk about you know it's it's an actress in a role. Uh, if you forget the fact it's Monica Bellucci and she's well known and she was nearly a bo- in a Bond film in the 90s, it's not so bad. It's more the fact, a lot of the complaints are, it's a it's a waste of Monica Bellucci. But at the end of the day, Monica Bellucci is a character actress like anybody else. She's taken a role in a Bond film, it happens to be quite a small role. I think age has got a big factor in it as well. I don't think anyone expected it to be that small, really. I think that was the thing, you know. You no, cast, I didn't. You cast someone... Because, because the problem is they're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to, like, just use her as a character actress in a role. But because it's Monica Bellucci, she's all over the market. It's the same with Stephanie film. Sigmund yeah. as well. I mean, she's probably arguably... Just, just get back to this. Somebody asked me over Facebook, if there's a correlation between good Bond films and Bond films that have erratic Bond girl appearances or don't feature Bond girls particularly, because... You know, we're making the point that Lucia doesn't really feature massively. And it was interesting to think about that because there have been... uh, And I I made the point that with a Bond film, there isn't usually a parallel story with your female lead. You're following Bond and the story goes with him. So 
in lots of Bond films, you know, he'll he'll be with one girl for a while and she may be part of that story, but then he'll move on. There's a couple of notable exceptions, like, say, Electric King. You know, her story was quite central and she had... Or Natalia in, in Goldeneye, who has certain scenes without Bond at the beginning to establish her thread. But it's rarer, you know, and it, and it's and that was the point I made. So, in a way, Lucia... Yeah, okay, her role isn't big, but like you say, it doesn't have to be big. No, that's it. That's, it she's there to serve that's a purpose. Way into, into a lot of the problem with, a lot of the problem is it's Monica Bellucci yeah. who's being wasted. Exactly. If that was just, you know, if that was Monica insert different surname we've never heard of before, yeah, yeah. heard of her before, there wouldn't be a fucking Yeah, nobody nobody well. I mean, she's not arguably not as famous as Monica Bellucci, but you know, they were, they were hyping her as well as much as, you know, her or um, Naomi Harris. And you, you don't see her, you don't know her name, you don't know her name's Estrella. No, she's just in a tracking well, shot. Exactly, yeah. but, you know, she had all this hype, and I thought, okay, yeah, we'll see more about but her. what a tracking shot. Yeah, it's like one line of dialogue, you don't even learn her name. It's like, what, what's going on, you know? But you, you, you talk about all this hype, that, that could be applied to the film itself, really. I mean, obviously, it's got the, the rights to Spectre, as we've talked about, and as you say, it'd be mad... To, to not use them let's not worry too much about spoilers with this you know if, you, if you've seen if you've seen Spectre the chances are you, you're listening to this if you haven't seen Spectre and you want to be going cold stop listening come back later we're going to we're going to talk about the fact that obviously and you've been warned Christoph Waltz is Blofeld now <gasps> never oh, hang on I, I've gone to, right. hang on a minute I've gone to the loo during <laughs> that never bit never saw that one coming <laughs> They've, they've, they're going to a place. They're going back. They're going back in history, back, back in, in time. time. If Skyfall, if Skyfall was the mythology of Bond, and it was setting him up as you know as as the old hero in the new era, this is about this is the payoff to the the final scene in Skyfall where you've got the old office. You know this is this is this is the natural. This thing. is why this is why all, all the Bond geekery kind of really makes us smile because it hits those beats. It hits those beats, but is it is it the right direction? Has it been earned? Mm. Do we feel that this is the right path? No, I, th- I tend to think they've done the best that they can with the hand they've been dealt. They've got three quarters of the way. Oh, let's say he did stop. I tend to think he'll do a fifth. But let's just talk about the four he's done. We've got three quarters of the way through the Craig era, and they've suddenly gone, oh, you can use Spectre. And the producers are definitely very in love with Craig and his portrayal. They definitely think they have a very special actor and a very special bond on their hands. You would be very silly not to... But the problem is you've got a sort of retcon that Silver was part of it where no chance. And it, it doesn't quite work, but they've, they've played the hand they've, they've been dealt probably as well as they could. Mm. I mean, the problem is when you go back to the 1960s and look at the Connery arc with Spectre teased over a number of films, and they've not done it here because we've effectively had the tease for something else. Yeah, and they've shifted. We've they've shifted it over to Spectre, mm, mm. so it doesn't work as well. well that, that's just the nature of the beast, though. Obviously, like historically, nature yeah, of the beast. Yeah, exactly that. They've done the best they can with yeah, the exactly. hand. They all of a sudden, at this point in time, now they can use it. I mean, that's that's a big thing for me about obviously Spectre. It's this overarching organisation mm. that's bon- essentially Bond's nemesis. We don't know. Mm. Well, twenty newcomers coming to this film, we don't know who they are apart from like a terrorist organisation. Organization who have fingers in all the parties don't even know what it means. I'm hoping that's a quiz question because I do know what it means. <laughs> that's, that's a bingo. That's a bingo. That's number one. But um, yeah, and Blofeld's at the head, but that's about it. But it's like I'm really hoping he does have this arch and um, that we can find out more about him, more about his machinations. Um, I mean, we're talking. 
Can I just talk another, a bit more about retconning as well? Because mm. a lot of fans will probably be annoyed by the fact that he and Bond are now stepbrothers. Now that just kind of uh, Bond's yeah. origin story. Obviously, his parents died in a climbing accident, and he's raised. He's raised. I've, I've kind of already done my complaints. I, I actually didn't know like, it ever yeah, happened. Okay, like, whatever. I don't think I, I. I think I still think it's a shit idea. But I'm kind of. I'm kind of. It, it's. It's like the Sam Smith song. It's like. By the time it's I watch the yeah, film, it's a, like, just put up with it, you know. <laughs> so, it, I, it, I, I'm, I'm kind of settled with it, even though it's not really. You know, the I only place it really idea. jarred for me because I was expecting to hate it, not the film, but just that that particular detail. Um, and when they're in the ruin of MI6 at the end, and he shoots at the glass and walks over to him, he calls him Blofeld. And I'm thinking, you spent two or three years together. Yeah, what did you call him? There's no way, out of nowhere, you would refer to no, him. No, that's it. Well, like, yeah. He was in France, isn't he? In the, in the torture scene. Distanted, well, you would still, you'd still call him Frank or Franny or yeah. Franz or even Oberhauser. He just bought into this name he'd no, given himself. It's really quickly. I mean, he calls him Franz the first time round, and then after that, it's Blofeld, so it's a bit weird. It, it's not a deal breaker, it's not a problem, but in both viewings, that job. But I, I do love the scar, though. I think, yes, you yeah. know. Um, I, I, I'm not sure about how he's going to lose his hair or if he's going to go bold, but I'll just be like, that's 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 cool enough for me. Well, I hope not because there's no need for there's no need for Blofeld to be bold. The the reason the reason they did this though, and and uh, you know I've, I've said to people it, it will be a massive massive talking point, and and to a many people a bone of contention forever in Bond circles this will, because it does fundamentally change a very very key thing, you know. But the but reason they have no memory. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Tony. Yeah, if you go to a Bond forum or whatever, there's going to be a lot of complaints about this because people don't like change. But if you're some like twenty-year-old going to see this film, and you, the Bond era started with you know maybe a push late Brosnan with you. Yeah, you aren't going to give a shit. You just no, that's vague, true. You vaguely know the term Blofeld and Spectre. But I would say mm. Spectre was made was not made for those people. Spectre has been made for us. Spectre has been made for the people in their 30s and 40s yeah. who grew up, you know, and, and obviously older, who grew up with this because, you know, it is full of... It's like a love letter. It's like it's like Daniel Craig and Sam Mendes' love letter oh, to I this friendship. I said this on our podcast. Everyone talked about, you know, Skyfall and it's backward looking and all the rest of it. This feels more like the anniversary film. Yeah, it does really. This is this is this to me is a celebration of Bond. It's got a lovely warm. I mean, all the problems I have with Skyfall are not here. Now you can find Skyfall beautiful. That's a matter of taste. But this has a lovely filmic golden color palette to it. Um, It's got a wonderful, wonderful central performance. I think it's beautiful to look at. In every scene, they dress Daniel Craig fantastically well. It recalls it recalls its future. I mean, I've often called um, Brosnan like a, a greatest hits Bond. This is a greatest hits Bond film. Yeah. It is, but I don't feel the same cynicism. You know, with with you know, it was almost like with um, Brosnan, they were like fucking getting the titles sorted out by bingo balls or something. <laughs> For, um, ball one, die. Okay, ball two, never. The door ball B again, you know, it it was just there was no soul in it. It was it was such a cynical exercise and the action scenes would come along almost by the clock as opposed to anything that was being unfolded by the story. At least here, to me, I know what they're doing, they're recalling their past, they're doing all of that, but I didn't find it as in my face. I found it a lot more organic with a couple of different mm. exam- a couple of exceptions and even the humour 
Skyfall was tonally all over the place because it was a sombre film. But then you've got the you know the sequence on the tube with he's in a hurry to get <laughs> home, and you know yeah. it's really fucking jarring. Whereas the humour in this, every line lands and it's really good. So is it a better film? I don't know. Possibly not. But I think it's a more consistent film. I think it's a more tonally consistent film. I think it's a better looking film. And I think it's a celebration of all things Bond. And if you go in not expecting it to be top three, but instead hope for like a top ten Bond film, I think you're going to be quite happy with this. I think people will be expecting to be a top three, though. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I completely agree with you. And I, th- I think I will enjoy it even more when I go and see it on yeah. Sunday again, which I intend to in IMAX once again. And it's it's that whole thing of you know I was a bit when I came out I wasn't sure and I, I've I've you know my review my review suggests that. I th- it could depreciate but I don't know I think it, I, in ref- the more I think about it the more I think it could go the other way and I think that it's mm. I don't believe it like I believe Skyfall and Casino Royale I don't think it's a great film like I think no I, I think Skyfall's a better film but I think Skyfall will probably end up ranking lower for me because A it's really tonally a bit mixed up I don't like the thir- the last third of it I don't think it's as attractive as a lot of people say. I much prefer the score to this film. It's got a real percussive forward momentum. It does to have it a nice I score. really like. Yeah. I mean, even though people have said, "Oh, it's just the Skyfall score again." Well, I, no, I disagree. Yeah, no, okay, that's not well, quite true. I don't think that's true at all. No. Um, but the fact is, this is a much more tonally consistent film. It does feel a bit more made by committee than Skyfall. I think Skyfall has a lot more original ideas in it. But I, I will, I will, I am pretty sure I will watch Spectre many orders of time more than I, I will ever watch Skyfall. I see it um, for third screening next week, so but I think that will probably be it for me. That will be the cut off. What I wish is that they'd have got the Bond and Madeline thing right. I, I wish they had because I think mm. I would have. It's more I would important, have, yeah. I've been and I said this to you, Becca, in, in on Facebook. I, I've been furious lately at this at all yeah. this clickbait shit about how Daniel so Craig just, hates so, yeah, being Bond and he wants to slash his wrist. That's a load of old shit. I'm so yeah, I'm so mm. fucking no, annoyed not. at this it's because not it's true. bullshit. And yeah. and the whole thing with it is that you know it's this whole idea that people are forgetting the fact that he's supposed to be contracted for five anyway. Well, fair enough. And it's quite a grueling shoot as well. You know, he had injured his knee and all the rest of it. And there's a degree of superstition because he was asked in the Skyfall stuff and he said, I can't talk about that now. This is, And he said the other day, this is yeah. what I'm doing now. Don't jinx it. I mean, Brosnan thought he was going to get a, fi- a fifth. He didn't. You know, and that was after a successful film. So you're wise. You're no. wise not to look too far ahead. And I'm sorry if you stick a microphone, metaphorically speaking, under someone's nose two days after eight months of shooting, where they've had yeah, knee surgery no. and yeah. shoulder surgery, and they've been shooting all over the world, and they say to you, "I can't think about that now." Christ, if I chose to do one now, it would just be for the money. Yeah, of course you are. It's natural. And course, you take yeah. that in isolation and go, "All he wants is money." And, and surprisingly smart people have fallen for this. Just, people I'm friends with on Facebook, on Twitter, who've gone, well, fuck off then. It's and ridiculous. I'm thinking, he loves being Bond. Don't be so ridiculous. But the point is that, yeah, I completely agree. And it's fury, infuriating. But the point is, with, with Skyfall, at the end of Skyfall, it was very deliberately teed. Yeah, he might have said the similar things, but it was teed up very much for the next one. you know. And you knew that he was going to come back. At the end of this, and you know, Sam Mendes has talked about this. He talked about it with Kermode and Mayo at the weekend, about how there was a deliberate sense of closure and that you know obviously Sam Mendes isn't going to come back more than likely Daniel Craig however is up for another one but Mm. when the way this film ends no but the way this film ends though 
it could it, it could be yeah. his last. They, they could leave it there. They really could. It would actually be much much easier I... though to bring Daniel Craig back than it would be a new actor. He drives off into the sunset and seemingly is retired. And then in the next film, you've got what, like Dan Stevens in M's office? Very strange. That would just be odd. I I I disagree. I think the um, um, Spectre ends on a like. I there think there's a blue phone arc on the way. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there, is. there is like there is going to be a follow up. There is. Yeah, because because they'll be like, you know, Bond is walking off a melon like hand in hand. You know, he's got he's he's had his ways. He's like shown Blofeld, ha, look, you know, I I can be different. I'm you know. You get to rot in jail and watch me walk away with I'm a girl. I'm going to work in Carl from the warehouse. Yeah. And Blood Falls like Beyonce, mate. He does all but shake his fist. It could just be me, I, but that's on, on, it's on second viewing. This exact, that's exactly what I read it as. And the fact is, is, there's loads of ways like, to come. You can either go the Majesty's route and kill her off, mm-hmm. albeit it's in the pre-titles to the next film rather than the end of this one. You could kidnap her and Bond believes she's dead. And he spends the you know film doing it as a normal mission, and then he gets her at the end. There's lots of different ways you can cut this, and I don't think the producers know what they're going to do next. But I do know Leah Sadu is signed for the next one. It doesn't mean that they have to use her, mm. but the intention, I think, is that we will see Christoph Waltz and Leah Sadu again. But for that to happen, I think we need to see Daniel Craig again. Well, the, this, this ties in neatly to, to, the, to the final thing, really, which is, before we have a quiz, which is the mm. future of Bond. Because... Obviously, you know, let's let's assume that Daniel Craig is going to do a fifth film, right? Let, yeah. Let's not go into the new James Bond yet. Let's assume he's going to do a fifth film. Yeah. It makes logical sense if this is if it is his last one that it would be Blofeld back, Madeline back. Much as I don't particularly buy that relationship, but and and continue the the story. If that happens, how do how do they end it though? I mean, if if they do another one with Craig and that's his last one. Bearing in mind that obviously in the old days you didn't have to end a bond a bond you know story because there wasn't a bond story it was just it was just the template and it was a new now there's a definite sense of a story with Daniel Craig's bond how do you end that and then you start have to again? regenerate into Tom Baker <laughs> it would help wouldn't it how do they're facing something they've never done before though how do they do it because they've suddenly given reference to continuity no. that they've never given before. exactly. And they're going to be hamstrung by it. To the degree that people are already arguing that in Casino Royale, his DB5 was driven on the right-hand side, yeah. and then it's on the left, you know, or vice <laughs> versa. And you just think, fucking get a life. You've just watched 50 years of these films where continuity was completely shat on. I just think they'll figure it out. I think they will write a, a standalone Bond adventure, whether it be, and that depends on contractual elements. If they get Christoph Waltz back... They'll, they'll, they'll start looking at where in the world they want to go, where emotionally they want to go with the Bond-Blofeld relationship, and then they will try he, he's to... He's going to direct eh? it as well. You're yeah, going to want a guy definitely. who does a, one, a one-off. It ain't going to be Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan will want to start Inception. a new arc yeah, of yeah. Bond. And also, tonally, what he would produce would be too close to Mendes anyway. Tonally, they're quite similar. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I tend yeah, to think, you know, was... wait until they cast the next guy. Let him have a say in it, much like they did with Campbell and, and Craig, even though Campbell's choice was for Cavill but he was involved in all the casting and everything else you want a good one-off director to do a one a good one-off good looking action film that finishes some of these themes the only problem is Spectre got stopped all of a sudden by like lawsuits and everything else last time I don't know what you do over say the next five or six Bond films 
I mean, mm. that, that's going to take up a couple of decades. I'm not. I'm not. You know, no, that'll be another kind of nature of the beast problem. I think. that now. But are you going to keep having? Are you going to keep having like Blofeld and him disappearing at the end of the film? Or are you going to kind of Batman it, where he's like one of many villains and you see him once in a while? I don't know what they're going to do now. Once we- you bring Spectre back, you're, you've, you fall into the comic book trap that you're in a permanent act two. You no, can't go into for a like corner. closure. What interests me is less... You know, everyone always debates who's the next James Bond going to be. That's not Which what is, interests me. Who gives a shit right, at the moment. It, right, exactly. What interests me is, is from a storytelling point of view what are they going to do after Craig goes? Because like you say, they've embraced elements of continuity now, even though they've retrofitted things to fit. Are they going to, in, in, the, in the world where we've got cinematic universes and we've got Marvel here and we've got Star Wars there, are they going to do that with Bond? Are they going to take a, a, a franchise and are they going to expand it out? Are they going to do, are they going to do more ongoing continuity stories? Are they going to give Money Penny their own film? Are they going to, are no. they going to, I can't see that. Eon Productions exists to make a, a fairly lucrative Bond film every two to three years. I, I don't think... I, I, and they're not stupid. They've made bad films, don't get me wrong. But they kind of know what they're doing. And that doesn't mean they always know what they're going to do next. But in the last few years, they've been able to hire talent. And they've been able to like make good calls on what they're doing. And I, I would be absolutely stunned if they suddenly said... And now it's the Tanner fucking... Spin-off film. <laughs> I, I don't think you know. He should get his own TV series, Bill Tanner Adventures. I, I, I don't see it. I really don't. I, I I think this is where it's at. They might want to pick up the pace. I don't know. But Whether how does it they want to, they might, you know, they could do it. They might do a TV show on the Double O section, or you know, Double O Nine Academy. Double <laughs> um, Nine Origins. This is something else in the film as well. They mentioned about the Double O section. And that obviously, you know, occasionally throughout the series, you've heard of them like oh, 006, 008, blah, 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 blah. Like, the only other mm. 00 is 009, who we, we don't see, and obviously loves Frank Sinatra. But it's like, they basically act as if Bond is like the only 00 out in the field. It's like, well, obviously not. So there's a whole avenue of explanation. As soon as it's anything to... major, they're all off, like, issuing parking tickets and shit. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be interesting. Whatever choice they make, I think, for the future will all depend on, as you say, Daniel Craig and various other elements. But I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out over the next few years, really. Okay, let's finish things up with the Pick a Flick Question Time quiz. Okay, this is Bond related. And you guys have elected not to face off against each other, but to uh, play as a team. What I'm half expecting is for some of you to question my own facts here <laughs> when, I, when I come up with the answers, but we'll see. So, eight... That, that'll, that'll be happy when I get a question. <laughs> no! Okay. Eight questions, okay, sourced from uh, from the internet, so uh, if I do get anything oh, wrong... That's you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but, okay, eight questions starting now. Okay, from Doctor No to Skyfall, not including Spectre, Bond has killed how many people on screen? Millions. Um. Now, I, I, now I will. I will take. I will take a, a an average. If you get within, I would say twenty twenty five each way. Difficult. I will. I will, gi- I will okay. give it you. I'll go first. I say two hundred and fifty. Okay. I've got any a figure in my head, and I don't any, know where I'm getting it from. Two hundred and fifty. Jesus. Um. Yeah, have you got. Yeah, a he's had quite a whole body count. Yeah. I would say 
more like 150, 200, I don't know. Something in the back of my mind is telling me it's not that high. But Hang on, does that include like the submarines in... Um, in no, it's people like, bonds uh, by Luffy. It's Dave. just overall a total. He's looked up a figure on the internet. He's not questioned it. Are you cheating, I Dave? Are you cheating? <laughs> I don't do. I don't do that much research. <laughs> Three and no, I'm not. Three hundred and twelve. Okay. Which sounds specific, but that's the figure that's stuck in my head, and I don't know why. I I'm gonna I'm not gonna give you a point, but I'm gonna say Dave was closest. It was three hundred and seventy-eight. So I we will we will have to uh, see how many it is after Spectre, but. Um, Decent guesses. Okay, number two. Name one of the three films in which Q's real name, Major Boothroyd, is actually said. Doctor No. Can, yeah, I was going to say Doctor No. Can you get the... You've already got the point, but can you get the uh, the third one? I'm going to have to think for a second. Hang on. <laughs> uh, somebody's... It's, it's a third party who says, says it to him. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I know. Third yeah, party uh, refers to him oh, as Major Boothroyd. That's the one. Is it uh, License to Kill? Actually, no. No, it's, uh, oh. it could be Majesty's at the funeral, yeah. at the wedding. No, it's mm. actually from Russia with Love. Okay. Uh, so, Doctor No from Russia with Love and oh, yeah. Spy Love Me. Kicking ourselves. Okay. Uh, but you got, no, you sorry, got, you got, got the point. You got so the point. Works. You got the point, so well done. Okay, number three. Who is the figure who appears in the gun barrel sequence in the first three Bond films? Bob Simmons. Oh, yeah. Bob Sim- who, was Bob, who was Bob Simmons? Who was Bob Stunt Simmons? Man. Yeah. The, the, yeah the, basically the head stuntman on the first stunt few films. Stuntman. Well done. Okay, mm. that's two out of three. That's not bad. Okay, number four. Okay, number four. Who were the five pilots in Goldfinger flying the planes in Pussy Galore's Flying Circus? <laughs> now, I'm not looking for names, but Gold I'm leader. looking for something Champagne specific leader. about it. What? Blonde number one. Oh, the names. No, no, not names. They're all men. No, they, uh, <laughs> Pussy, Galo- so many Pussy Galore's Flying Circus. Well done, Becca. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, weeks. I got one. <laughs> Which I didn't know. <laughs> I thought that was the name of the thing. I'm sure she yeah, didn't Yeah, yeah, one was like Gold Leader. Yeah. One was like Champagne Leader. Now feel the wrath like of my mending blonde wigs. <laughs> yeah, they were blokes in wigs. <laughs> all right, well, we got the point. So well done. Okay. Right. Who filmed a deleted cameo scene in for Diamonds Are Forever? Yeah. Mm. Oh, Sammy it's Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, mm. you, you got any details on the scene? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, he was in uh, <laughs> like the rest of the is, film. Yeah, it's really fucking like... bollocks. And Chris does a fantastic it's, it's, Sammy Davis Jr. impression. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. it's amazing. <laughs> That's my impression of Chris's impression of Sammy Davis Jr. That's brilliant. Okay, what was the name of the female extra in For Your Eyes Only who was the first transsexual Caroline person Cossie. to pose for Playboy? Caroline Cossie, Well done. First ever I know, I know my tits and pits. Just Dave to know that. Carry on. What phobia does Roger Moore suffer from that affected him on set playing Bond? Uh, well, I know he used to blink every time he fired the gun. What's it called? Do you know? I'll, I'll give you that. It's oh. called being a fucking pussy. What's the name of it? But yeah, it's, it's basically is that yeah. Do you know We've the name? Get of the it? point. I've just got that right. Fuck the name of it. He's, yeah, it isn't he like guns. blinked every time he fired a gun. So it's fear, fear of firearms. Is that I'll, it? I'll give oh, you that. Yeah. It was hoplophobia. He, he's, he's terrified of firearms. So yeah, he would panic every no. time he fired a gun, which is hilarious. Right. Okay. This point, right? You have now got six out of seven. If you get this right, oh, you are top of the leaderboard. This is a big one, 007. So no pressure. Okay. Finally, which Bond film has made the most money in the US? In the US. Mm. Uh, unadjusted or adjusted? Adjusted. So, i.e. paid admissions? Uh, yeah. Thunderball. 
You've got it. Well done. The Thunderball. Yeah, adjusted for inflation. So you have scored seven out of eight. So well done. That's very good. That means you are top of the leaderboard. So it's gonna take that's gonna take some beating, that is. Somebody's gonna have to get full marks to unseat you guys. So well done. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I think it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so, well, thanks for having us on. We appreciate pleasure. it. Um, do you want to give us uh, some details of where we can find you guys on the internet and things like that? Yeah, we're on um, on cinematonics.co.uk. Yeah, I... um, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. Um, on Twitter, we're at expected to talk. We're on Facebook slash expected to talk, and you can also email us expected to talk at gmail.com. Although not many people do email us, so please send us an email. Yeah, they did. Someone wanted to know if Chris wanted a bigger penis. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of spam. You want proper emails? The answer is yes. Well, you can find us at pickaflickpod on Twitter, and you can email us as well at pickaflickpod at gmail.com if you want to give us some feedback on the show. It will be business as usual next week, back to actually flicks you guys have picked. Actually, that's not true. Next week, it's two of my best friends who've picked films. So I'm completely lying. More than likely. <laughs> well, tune, tune in because uh, it be, should be quite interesting. So, yeah, we'll be back then. Um, do do follow us, do like us on iTunes, all that jazz. And um, oh yeah, go and see Spectre if you haven't because he's great. So, yeah, thanks again, guys. Thank you. This is Baker Flick. You pick them, we watch them. Simple. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.